Have you ever had somebody ask you a question uh, when you're thinking about purchasing a product? You know, what do you think about the product? What do you say about the product? Everybody's probably been asked that, right? I mean, all the way from, you know, whether or not you're going to purchase a new car, all the way to electronics, wherever you are, we always like to check around and see what people think about things, don't we? Don't we? That's part of human nature. So I brought up some of the items that I have recently been told about that I think are awesome. Now, once you get over the fact that the shoe looks really dumb and the sole is really thick, let me tell you about why I think this product's awesome. Because since the sole is so thick, when you run in this product, it's like running in a marshmallow. I mean, think about this. If you could put marshmallows on your feet and run, just think of that comfort as you land each and every time. Now, some of you are thinking, why is he doing this? Is he trying to sell his pair of shoes? No, I am not. No, I'm not. I mean, personally, when I run in these, my wife says, please don't stand next to me. I don't want, you to know, I don't want anybody to know that we're related or that I may know you. But the, I, I ran a race, and she was standing next to me, unfortunately, and she was kind of going, you had to wear those dumb-looking shoes. Man. And somebody comes up and goes, hey, you got that pair of shoes? How do you like them? And I was kind of like standing a little taller. I was like, they like my shoes too. And they go, we want to try a pair. I actually thought for a moment I was going to sell them off my feet to the person. So I thought, well, that's pretty good. And now I'm walking a little bit further, and somebody else came up to us and asked me about the shoes. They were doing exactly what I said. They were checking it out, a product, right? Now, on the front of your bulletin, it says WWDC. I've been asked, what does that mean? It means wood walruses drive cars. I'm just joking, sorry. So, some of you are going, what? No, no. Somebody actually came up with that one. I just stole it from them. It is Worldwide Developers Conference. And it's an event that happens every year in June. And people all around the world talk about it. And it's basically uh, an event where they launch new products each and every year. And if you were in the technology at all, you were probably online watching to see if new phones were going to be released, new computers, whatever. And for a whole week before the conference starts, they talk about what's going to be released, what they should release, what they should do. Then the week of, they actually talk about what actually did happen. And then for the next month, they talk about either what they should have done, what they should have released, what they should, you, you add it all in. But the thing is, people are talking about their product. I would like to suggest that we would take that WWDC and change it into a Worldwide Disciples Conference. Because think about this. If we are disciples, if we're followers of Christ, if we are running after him with everything that we have, we should be talking about the product that we have, Jesus Christ, each and every day. Each and every day. I mean, it should just ooze out of us. Wherever we go, people should be going, wow, what is that? And, you know, as I was thinking about this, there are products that each and every one of us, whether or not we want to say we support or say that we you know, rep or whatever you want to say, we, we, we you know, tell people about each and every day. I mean, think about it. Little kids, all the way down. 
It's not because parents think Chuck E. Cheese is such awesome pizza while they keep taking their kids there. It's because kids like it. Kids go there. Kids have fun. Now, I won't lie. Some of us adults have fun, too, collecting the tickets. That's why they made Dave and Buster's. But, um, you know, we go there, and we collect, and we're having fun. Well, what happens is the kid goes, well, Johnny had his birthday party there. I want to have my birthday party there. And so they're talking about a product right now. They're pushing a product. I mean, a lot of times, kids get a new toy. The kid sees it and goes, I got that toy. I want that toy. And so kids... From little, itty-bitty, all the way up. And especially if you have two of them, they're fighting over the same toy, so eventually it's just easier to go buy two of the toys and let them not fight over them. So they are pushing a product. Now, teenagers, I mean, we, we know that teenagers are always, always pushing products. They're the friends, you know. It, it's one of those things, technology. You name the bit of technology, the kids are telling you how great it is. You know, we like Facebook, we like Vine, we like Instagram, we like whatever the new one's going to be in the next, you know, 24 hours. It seems like there's always a new one that kids are pushing. And I mean, I get all these notices each and every week. Will you join this? Will you join that? And I'm going, I don't even know what this is. I'm confused. I'm out of the loop. I'm officially old. I'm officially old. So we have the little bitties are pushing products. We have the teenagers are pushing products, young adults, high schoolers. They're, they're pushing colleges. Think about this. You know, the college gives them a free shirt. They give them something free. Next thing you know, they're pushing that product. Well, I'm going here. You should go there. And it just continues. The thing that's, you know, amazing about this is as you work your way all the way through the full spectrum of, you know, itty-bitty to, you know, grave, everybody pushes one product that's the same through the whole thing. We all push the product of food. I mean, think about it. We all tell people, you got to go there and eat. That is really good. You got to buy that and make this. That's really good. Don't go there. I heard they have bugs in the kitchen. You know, not good. Don't go there. You know, we always are pushing food products. So, um, as we open our Bibles today, we're going to be in John 11. We're going to be John 11. So, if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Somebody will grab you a Bible. But as... We go through the whole spectrum from itty-bitty to grave. Everybody has food. So I thought, you know what? Let's relate this to food. I mean, I won't lie. I like food. Most of us like food. Um, if you plan on living past 40 days, you're going to eat food sometimes. So it's one of those things that we all eat. Uh, Landon's going to come up, and I'm going to have him read a long, long passage of Scripture here. But the thing is, this passage is very very useful and very beneficial. So. Man is going to start in John 11, verse 1. And I'm going to stop you probably at the end. <laughs> so go ahead and read. Okay, that's a long passage of scripture to read, but um, there's a lot to unpack in there. And not only is there a lot to unpack in there, there's a lot that we won't unpack today in there. But as we look at that, 
really, what I, if you were to walk out and say, what did I learn today? There's one thing I want you to learn, and that is, if we can see as God sees, we're going to do as God directs. If we can see how God sees, we're going to do as God directs. And why are we going to do as God directs? Well, because if we start in the first part, John 11, the first three verses relating this to food, it's about testing the food. It's really about testing. I mean, and we see in the first one it says, a man named Lazarus was sick. Okay, we've seen other people throughout the New Testament that have been sick. Typically when it says somebody's sick, Jesus comes and heals them. So you would think the same thing. It says he lived in Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem. So I'm a person that I, I need to, you know, know what two miles is. It's about four times around this, this school. Four times around this school on the little path. That's two miles. Not too far. You could do it if you walked, you know, at a moderate pace. You probably could do it in about 30, 35 minutes. Okay? And said Mary and Martha. This was the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet. This is saying, you know what? If we were to read on in John 12, Mary is so overcome with emotion after seeing her brother raised that she goes and pours expensive perfume on his feet later on. And her brother Lazarus sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. So in other words, hey, we're testing you, Jesus. Can you come? Can you heal this person? And I think if we're honest, the best way that we see that people really test food is like little itty-bitty kids. I mean, you kind of, come on, you want to eat this? You want to eat this? And you kind of stick in their mouth. And I mean, some kids are like, chew it, and they make faces. And they're like, we're not really sure we like this. Some kids, I mean, one of my kids takes it out, wads it up, puts it in their mouth, yeah, wads I mean, does that a few times. Some kids spit it out and say, yuck, you know, but they're tasting. They're tasting and saying, Jesus, we've seen you heal lots of other people. We've heard, or we've heard about, you know, you telling lots of other people, healing lots of other people. Now we're testing. Is what you're doing going to be real? Can you do it, not to strangers, but can you do it anytime? And if we're honest, we always test our food. I mean, no matter where you are, and I'll never forget a time that I totally threw caution to the wind and grabbed a big bowl of mangoes. I was in the DR. I thought, we've worked all day. There's a big bowl of mangoes. I'm just going to... I piled three or four of them in there, and um, mangoes aren't the greatest fruit ever. They're not very good. At least I don't think so. They might be good with other fruit, but I thought they were peaches, and I thought mango. They had to be good. So I took the first one. I'm like, I'm like, oh. And then I'm thinking they're going, okay. The first thing I was taught is whenever you take something, you should eat it, especially when you're in public. When you're at home, you can just kind of take it and throw it in the trash. But I have to eat this big bowl of mangoes now. And I'm going, why did I not test it? Yuck, 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 yuck. So I swallowed hard, you know, I, I still think of it, and I mean, I still see mangoes, and I'm like, ugh, <laughs> they could give those away, I'd have to be really hungry to eat those, but, and DR people, you know now, don't do the same mistake, okay, because I have talked to other people that have made the same mistake, and Tom's shaking his head, because he's probably seen just about everybody do it once, 
So don't eat the mangoes. They're good, small bites, not at all. So, and anybody that grows mangoes here, you know, is forever mad at me. So, um, so test. That's the first thing we see in the first three verses. Jesus is being tested, just like we test food. So that's stage one. And if we have a product, I mean, think about this. Somebody's asking about, asking about a household cleaner. They're asking about a tool. I mean, they're asking about, you know, a car. We always are asking around, testing. Have you test drove that car? Have you looked at that house? Have you test, tested that, I'm going to look at Tom and say that bike? I mean, have you tested those shoes? Whatever it is, we always want to test it out before we get it. And we're always asking, and now with the internet, we can Google search it and we can read thinks about it. But we always test out a product. And think about this. Each and every one of us, whether or not we know Jesus now, whether or not we've known him for a long time, we've all had that testing period in our life. We've tested. You know, is that person that says they follow Jesus, are they truly following Jesus? Can I believe what they say about Jesus? And you're testing. You're testing. Okay, you know, maybe I should read the Bible and catch up on this and make sure that's true. We're always testing. And no matter where we are, we're always testing the water, seeing if it's good, seeing if we should proceed. So that's the first thing, food. Second thing is... Once you've tested it, you've got to taste it. You've got to taste it. I mean, that's why I love looking for new things and hate it at the same time. I love looking for new things because if you're looking for a new car, you start looking at new cars and you start thinking, wow, this car has this feature. My car doesn't have that. This car gets this. My car doesn't have that. And if you've been testing them, all of a sudden you're getting closer and closer to chomping down and tasting it and really getting a good thing. So in the first um, three verses, we saw the test. and the next 44 verses, we see the taste. And we just want to walk through this real quick. It says, But Jesus heard about it and said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so the Son of Man will receive glory from this. I don't know what he's saying you know what? I got this planned out. I got this taken care of. You know, don't worry about the hidden paperwork. Don't worry about those little lines you can't read on the contract. I got it taken care of, guys. Now, I'm thinking, you know what? So many times in my life, I've heard that still small voice say, Dan, I got that taken care of. Relax. Relax. But everything in me just gets all knotted up, and I say, I don't want to relax. You know, I've been testing and I'm getting ready to taste God and I don't want to relax right now. And that's what the, his disciples were thinking. They're thinking, you know what? Why should we relax? He's your friend. We've seen you heal this many people. I'm sure the disciples, if they had a whiteboard, would be marking it down. You know, Jesus has healed 366 people, you know, and he's done this and he's done that. I'm sure the disciples had these stats down. And they're thinking, you know what? Just, just go do it. He's your buddy. He's your friend. He helps you out. Why aren't you going to? You know, why aren't you going to, Jesus? And it says in verse 6, where we'll pick up, he said, he stayed there for the next two days. Think about this. He's sitting around. He's not doing a whole lot. He knows that his friend is hurting, but he isn't moving. I mean, how many of us have ever had surgery or seen somebody that's had surgery, and it is the worst possible thing to have to sit there. You just have to sit there. 
I mean, you got to let it heal. You're thinking, I just want to get up and do stuff. I mean, every one of us, always the first couple of days is like, yes, I get to sleep, you know, this, that. And after a couple of days, you're like, I just want out of this place. I want to go home. I want to feel better. But Jesus is just sitting there. It doesn't say that he's walking around healing people. It doesn't say that, you know, he's building himself a house. It doesn't say that he's doing, you know, anything but just sitting there. He sat there the next two days. And finally, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea. Um, but his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. If we were to back up, Jesus isn't well-liked. And he really isn't liked by the religious leaders because the religious leaders are trying to stump him. And they can't stump him. Jesus seems to know their end game. He does know their end game. And they're upset with him. So they're going, you know, you go back there, Jesus, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to make a lot of people mad. And not only are they thinking you're going to make them mad, they're going to be mad at us because we're with you, Jesus. So now they're going, okay, Jesus, we were kind of excited for you to go back. Now maybe we're thinking second thoughts about this. Now maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus replied, 12 hours of daylight every day during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of the world. But at night, there's danger stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and now I will go and wake him up. And they're just thinking, he took a nap. He took a nap. Okay, he's going to feel better. Uh, the disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better soon. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And they, they're probably scratching their heads going, did somebody come and tell you that? You know, well, where, where'd you get this knowledge from? Because I thought we were going there, and, and if he's dead, why are we going there now? They, um, so verse 14, we'll pick it up. Uh, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you'll really believe. Come, let's go see him. Scratching her head still. They're thinking, Jesus, wow, what's wrong with you? And you would think that they've been with Jesus now roughly about two and a half years. You'd think they'd kind of get a clue that Jesus knew what he was doing. But um, I kind of put myself in this situation. A lot of times I, I want to say, you know what? If I was one of these people in the Bible, I would not be nearly as dumb as they are. I mean, if I was blessed like David was blessed, I wouldn't make the mistakes that David made. If I was blessed like Moses was blessed, I wouldn't make the mistakes that Moses made. If I was blessed like the disciples are blessed, I wouldn't make the mistakes that the disciples make. But they're still trying to test it. They haven't taken that bite yet. I mean, it's like a lot of us, when we're, you know, looking for something that we want, we're still testing it. We're thinking, eh, I really want it, but I'm not ready to commit. I'm not really ready to make the, the final, you know, all in. And so that's where they're at. Uh, verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. So we, can, we know by this, Jesus left when Lazarus had already been dead two days. It takes him two days to get there. And so we're thinking, why do these days matter? I know that uh, Pastor Rex talked about this passage probably five or six times now, but that, that four days really matters. And it really makes me think of um, in the 1800s, if you were to ever uh, look at coffins that people designed so that if they ever got buried, 
and they were actually alive, they could like get out of it. And you're thinking, what? That just sounds weird. Well, in the 1800s, people were afraid that they were going to get buried alive. So they invented all sorts of, we'll say weird, gizmos so that they wouldn't get buried alive. I mean, one had like an air hole going up with a bell. You could pull it, a bell string. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That'd be really creepy. You're walking through the graveyard and the bell starts ringing. I'd probably run. I mean, other ones had like holes you could yell out. I mean, and really that's the reason why they started awake. Awake is where the coffin typically sits in a person's living room and people sit around for 36 to 50 hours and they just sit there and look at this dead body because people were afraid of getting buried alive. And this was happening in Jesus's day too. Now, it makes me think, couldn't you tell they weren't breathing? I mean, you know, couldn't you tell they got stiff? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there to see this, but um, they're basically saying, you know what? In three days, he hasn't rolled the stone back. He's dead. He's dead. And in Jewish um, popular myth or Jewish folklore, whatever you want to say, it, after three days, the spirit left the body because the body wasn't going to come back alive. And if you were to see somebody raised in those first three days, it wasn't considered a miracle. I would disagree with that. I mean, if I saw anybody that we confirmed was dead and they raised even an hour later, I would say that's a miracle. But in this day and age, it must have been known that people would just pop up. Hey, I was just taking a nap for three days. Hey, good to see you. Thanks. You know, it must have been happening. But at four days, all of a sudden they said, he's dead. He's dead. We're confirming he's dead. So they would roll the stone or they would, you know, get rid of any evidence. And I think the reason why they said it four days realistically was the body started to stink. I mean, it alludes to this later that the body started to stink. Decompression or decomposition started to happen. So that's why that four days is so important. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. So in other words, people are gathering around. In this day and age, the more money you had, the more people you could pay to come there and sit or supply food for them to come and sit. And so if you were really wealthy, a lot of people came because they knew you are going to feed them. If you didn't have much money, not that many people came. So we can tell from this, Martha and Mary, they must have been fairly wealthy because a lot of people are there. A lot of people are there. And then Martha got word that Jesus was coming. She went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I would guess that Mary's a little upset right here. She's saying, we thought you were a friend, you know. You know, we sent word to you. You could have gotten here in time. We, we had faith in you. What's happening, Jesus? I was ready to make that commitment to you. I was ready to make that taste. I would tested, and now, you know, you let my taste down. It's kind of like, you know, have you ever went to a party and something looks really, really good. I mean, it has whipped cream on it, maybe a cherry. It looks like mousse. I mean, it just looks fantastic, and you want to eat it. Kind of like those mangoes, but this actually happened to me another time. I'll never forget it. We went to a college. An FCA event was happening in a college, and we're going through the, the long buffet line, and I'm hungry, and, you know, it said Parmesan. And I thought, oh, yeah, Parmesan. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get some of that. I grabbed it. I'm thinking, thinking, is anybody looking? I'm going to grab a third one. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You'd think I'd learned my lesson. I hadn't. 
went down eight. I'll never forget, I cut in it, and I'm like, it's green inside. I'm like, what is wrong with this? It's green inside. I'm like, I'm like this thing's bad. I'm like, I just found a bad piece of chicken, Parmesan. So I'm like, okay. I, I, I mean, this isn't the price, but I'm like, I'm a guy. I scoot that one aside. I'm like, I'll cut the next one. The next one will be good, you know? It's green. I'm like, oh, I'll go to the third one. Green. And I start looking around. I'm like, I'll eat the rest of my food and just kind of keep eating and kind of, and then somebody else goes, dude, is your Parmesan green inside? I go, mine is too. And the person across goes, yeah, it's eggplant Parmesan. I go, yuck. I'm like, mmm. I'm like, I'm like, is that good for you? I'm like, what happened to the real Parmesan? But I, again, what I thought I was going to test, what I was going to taste was something different. And that's the same we're seeing here. We're seeing here. So Mary's thinking, you know what? I'm not biting, Jesus. I'm not biting. So she stays in her house. But Martha runs out to him and it says, Martha said to the Lord, Lord, if only you'd been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So she still has the faith. She's saying, you know what, God? I've tasted and I'm still committed. I'm still going to taste. I'm still going to go in because I know this is going to be good. And he says back to her, um, verse 23, Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will be risen. He will rise when everyone else rises the last day. So she's ready to taste, but she doesn't get it totally. She's like, you know what? He's in a better place. You know, she has her, her brave face on that a lot of us put on at the funeral. You know, the, the brave face saying, if I break down and start crying, I'm just not going to be able to stop. So I'm just going to keep plugging forward. I'm going to have that brave face. And that's what she's saying. Jesus told her in verse 25, I'm the resurrection and the light. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me, believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who um, has come into the world from God. So right there, she, butt, she bit down. She said, I don't care if you're the eggplant parmesan, I'm still going to bite down and I'm going to chomp because I'm still believing in you. I'm still trusting you. I tasted your good. Uh, Jesus stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling, consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. When Martha arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not die. Still blaming him, saying, I, I t t tested you and you just failed. You just failed. Gen then Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her. A deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. That's one of the few times we see Jesus get mad. And you know, a lot of times we think when we have emotion, and this is just a side note, when we think we have emotion, we get mad at somebody, well, Jesus never got mad at anybody. I can't get mad at them. Jesus just got mad right there. He got mad. So it's okay. It's okay to sometimes get mad. It's what we do with our anger. It's not like Jesus started, you know, doing anything bad. Side note. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. I always like to point that verse out. Anybody ever ask you, Bible trivia, shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. You got that now. So if anybody ever asks, you'll get that one right. 
Uh, the people who were standing nearby said, See how much we, he loved him? Some said, um, but some said, the man, This man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? So other people, they'd heard the same stories. Other people had said, We tested you, Jesus. You just failed. So if you're starting to see this right now, Jesus is setting something awesome up here. He's setting something up that lots of people have trusted him, lots of people have tested him, and a few people were tasting, but now all of a sudden people are pulling back saying, eh, we don't know, Jesus. We don't know. Uh, verse 38. Uh, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone away, Jesus told him. You know, this one always kind of makes me laugh because we get these fancy graves, you know, we get these tombs that are waterproof and these coffins and all this stuff. They just bury them in a cave. And, you know, after a while they went in, kind of pushed the bones aside and buried somebody else in a cave and rolled the stone in front of it. You know, they realize, even the Jewish people realize, that our spirit, our soul, is either with Jesus, if we believed in him, or gone. And the physical body is comforting to us, but it's not really comforting to that person that lived in it. So there's thought, you know what? We'd much rather care about the soul than we would ever care about that body. Um, but Martha um, pleaded the dead man's sister. Um, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. He smells bad. So don't open it, she's saying. Jesus responded, Didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all those people standing there so that they will believe you sent me. Now, at this point, either Jesus is getting ready to do something awesome or they're all watching a schizophrenic guy get ready to open a grave, and they're all going to get a blast of some smelly air. I mean, it's almost going to be like the junior hires that you take the camp, and then you load up in the van, and you take home. They all climb out of the van, but the van still stinks. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking at right now. That's what you're looking at, and they're all like, oh, Jesus, we hope you're right, because we're close. We're going to, oh, no. They're scared. They're scared. Um, uh, verse 43 then Jesus shouted Lazarus come out and the dead man came out his hands and his feet bound in grave clothes his face was wrapped in a head cloth Jesus told him unwrap him let him go so um, I did a little bit of uh, studying this they said that when they buried a person they basically left their underclothes on their underclothes to us would look like a big dress and they put some sheets over him. So he comes stumbling out in this, I'd say dress. That's probably the best way to describe it. And he has these sheets on him and he's kind of like, oh. That, that gives you a whole different meaning to next time you watch one of those zombie movies that one of those things would happen. But he comes out. So all of a sudden, people are saying, Jesus, we've tested you and we've been testing you We've been testing you. We've been testing you. And when this happened, all of a sudden they said, okay, whatever you're selling, whatever you're peddling, we're in. We're in. Because 
nobody else has raised a dead man to life. Nobody else has done any of these things that we've seen you do. The Pharisees might say they're real religious. They might do all the right things. They might pray all the right prayers. They might, you know, know the law. But you're raising people from the dead. So we believe. So the test, the taste, and what always happens after that? I mean, with this day and age with Facebook, if you get a great meal, you're telling people about it. You're going to tell people, you're going to say, that meal was fantastic. So, we're going to keep reading on. And it says in verse 45, it said, Many of the people who, were, who uh, were with Mary believed in Jesus. They're like, we're in. When they, uh, they saw this happen, but some of the Pharisees... Um, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. In other words, they're kind of like the people that, you know what, Jesus, we've tested you, we've tasted you, and we just, we, we know you're for real, but we're just going to go tattletale on you. And, I, I mean, in my own family, I'm kind of in that stage where, you know, the kids tattletale on each other, and it's actually kind of cute right now. You know, our little one will come and say, Buddy's on my bed. Buddy's on my bed. I'm going, okay, go get him off. You know, or Buddy's doing this. I want to do this. And that's what, the fair, that's what some people are doing. They're tattletaling on Jesus. They're saying, you know, he, he just raised a person from the dead. You got to go do something about this. You know, that can't happen. And if we think of that and go, really? If I just saw somebody raised from the dead, I'd be in. I, I mean, woohoo. And I think I had that best said to me one time in an FCA huddle. I don't agree with this, but... So many times when you do youth group, you give a food or you give a cookie or something like that and kids come that normally wouldn't. And I'll never forget the kid. I'm not going to say his name, but I was, or the school, but I was at a school and we were giving pizzas and this kid was just mowing them down. He was just eating them. And he looks at the guy next to him and goes, any place that offers pizza, I'm in. <laughs> and I said, I said, what? And he goes, I don't care what you're teaching. I'm in if you offer pizza. <laughs> and I thought, okay, okay. You know, and that's what they're saying to Jesus. They're saying, we're in. We don't care what you're peddling. Um, the good thing is they're peddling the, the word of life, the truth. Then leading the, the priests and the Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. So in other words, they're telling people. There's, if nobody's heard yet, they're still telling people. And if we were to jump to uh, John 12, 17, it's on the front of your verse, or in front of your bulletin too, it says in there, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others. In other words, this is a buzz. This is a good product. You should be part of this. So, what better way to do this than to actually demonstrate this in front of you? So I have two people that are going to come forward. So um, don't make me call you out. I talked to you guys already. Let's give them a hand. They're trusting me, so that's pretty good. Okay, have a seat. I washed these last year. I'm joking. Okay, can you see? Okay. 
Do you trust me, Noah? I don't blame you. Either would I. You have a very large head. I need like an extra large one of these. Do you have a special football helmet? No? Okay. Whoops. There you go. Can you see? Okay. So, I brought some items that they're going to test for us and they're going to tell us about. Now, I'm going to start with Bailey. And you are going to test this item. So, I want you to try to smell it. Do you smell anything? A little? Okay. When you figure out what this item is, don't say it out loud. Okay? You have your hand. Feel it. That's a test. Okay. And now open. Okay. You can bite down. Okay. What do you think of it? It's good. It's good. Okay. Do you know what it is? Okay. Don't say it now. Okay, same thing. So we're going through the whole thing. Now, if you were to tell Noah about it, what would you tell him about it without describing the product? Watery. Okay, and it tastes good. It tastes good. Would you suggest him eating it? Yes, okay. Noah, we're going to go through the same thing. You're going to test it. You wash your hands today, right? <laughs> okay, you smell it? Okay, open. Okay. It's good, isn't it? It's not bad. Here, you can eat the rest too if you want. Oh, no, you're good? Okay. Okay. Second thing they're going to test. I'm just joking. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. Okay. Okay. Smell. You can feel it now. Okay. Open. Take a bite. You know what it is? You think? Okay. And you're probably right. Okay. Now we got another one. What would you tell Noah about it? It's crunchy. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, same thing. Smell. Feel. Doing the test. Now do the taste. What would you tell us about it? It's crunchy. Okay. What was the first thing that we gave you? I gave you. You get that? Okay. What was the second thing I gave you? Cracker. Did you get that too? Okay. Thank you so much. So why did we just do that? Why did we just do that? You guys can go have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. Why did we do that besides I thought you guys were hungry? We did that because we just went through the process right there. We went through the first part, the test, then the taste, and then you tell others. Now, why is this important? Why is this important? Why are we talking about this? So many times when we think about evangelism, we make it really hard. I mean, think about this. We make evangelism super duper hard when all we have to do is tell them about our love, our passion, some, a product that we have bought into. And if we do that, other people, whether or not they like it, love it, hate it, it doesn't matter to us. We've already bought it. 
We've already tasted it. We already know about its goodness. And I am shocked at how tough sometimes we make evangelism. Sometimes we get, you know, nervous sweats. I mean, I'll never forget that I challenged uh, the group of guys I met with a couple weeks ago. I said, I want you to find one person this week and tell them about Jesus. And they're like, oh, oh. They're like, oh, no. Oh, no. But I was really proud. One of them went out, and he told one of the kids, and he actually got a text message, and he came back, and he said, the kid said, thank you so much for asking me that question. You know, sometimes my actions don't always reflect knowing Jesus, but I need to be challenged like this more. And a lot of times, if we're testing, tasting, and telling about the love of Jesus, it's just like that story of Lazarus. It's going to come out of us, and other people are going to tell. And it's not going to be one of those things where we care about what church they go to, about what denomination they belong to, all we care about is that they know and love Jesus. If the worship team wants to come on forward, I have a story to share with you. And this story just shocked me because even though we tell people about Jesus, we have to be careful about the way we do it. I mean, we, we definitely want to build friendships. We definitely don't want to come across as pushy or mean. But I came across this story and realistically, we are a translator for Jesus. We're a translator of Jesus' love. And this story is from 1980. In 1980, an 18-year-old, Willie Ramirez, was admitted to a Florida hospital in a comatose state. His friends and family tried to describe the condition to the paramedics and doctors who treated him, but Willie's family only spoke Spanish. They told the hospital staff that Willie was intoxicado. The word is what the translator called a false friend. It doesn't mean what you'd assume it means. What do we think it means? Drunk, yeah, intoxicated. It doesn't mean that, though. In Spanish, intoxicado refers to a state of poisoning, usually from the ingesting of something to toxic. The Ramirez family was trying to say that Willie was suffering from food poisoning. Literally, he was poisoned. But the doctors grabbed the hospital staff person to translate for the Ramirez family, and the doctor, or the staff worker said that Willie was drunk. Doctors treated him as if he was suffering from an intentional drug overdose. Willie was misdiagnosed, and because the wrong course of treatment was taken, he's a quadriplegic. The hospital had to settle for a $70 million lawsuit. Now, why do I share that? One, just as I said, I challenged that student to share Christ's love with him. He said, hey, I'm already a believer, but thanks. We have to be careful when we share Christ. We have to do it with words of love. We can't stand on the corner with a sign that says, turn or burn, or anything like that. We have to share it with love. Because when we share it with love, it's going to be taken with love. And it's going to be truly that sweet taste that we all want. As we get ready to leave, uh, I think we all need a challenge. I, I think the challenge should be this week, who am I going to tell about Jesus? I mean, if we've tasted, if we've tested, tasted, the next step is telling. And I know that a lot of times in my life, I do the first two really well, but I don't do so great at telling other people about them. So the challenge is this, who are you going to tell about Jesus this week? Who are you going to tell about Jesus? Now, whenever I ask that question, 
There's always a name that will pop in somebody's head. There's always a name. And a lot of times what we do is we say, oh, anybody but him, anybody but her. You know, Jesus, send me as a missionary before I want to talk to them. But that name that just popped in your head, your challenge is in the next seven days, tell them. Either way, you're going to win. Either way, you're going to win. So as we close, go out and be the church by telling people about Jesus. Amen.